Hey gazers, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. And in Florida, I guess the name of our podcast is The Spiritual. The Spiritual. Because you can't say the word gay, at least in front of small children. So if you have small children listening and you're in Florida, we apologize. Not, because we're just going to say gay all the fucking time. Gay morning. Gay afternoon. Would you like some gay with that? Um, Who would have thought that just by naming our podcast The Spiritual Gaze, that it would be slightly controversial in certain parts of the country? I mean, when you're queer, you're always an activist. Living your queer life is a form of activism. And that's just the world in which we live. I just want to say that that bill is fucking ridiculous. It's insane. And I am deeply appalled. And it just doesn't make any sense. Like, how can you rule out saying the word gay in front of small children, what happens if uh, a child in school has gay parents and the teacher is talking about mommy and daddy and they're like, oh, but I have two daddies. I don't have a mommy. Are they expelled? Are they not allowed to like learn about their parents? Well, but it's not a don't say queer bill. So I guess we just have to start saying queer instead. So we just have to teach the children at a young age yeah. to use the word queer. Yeah. Can they just can is can they say the word lesbian? I didn't. I haven't read. I haven't read the law. Mm, I haven't read the law either because it enrages me. So I was trying not to enrage myself. No, it's understandable. I just think like of all the words to ban saying in front of children. Why ban a great one? Oh, I know. Why not ban a terrible word like moist? <laughs> I guess that word doesn't um, threaten people's fragile sexualities. I am so tired of people's fragile sexualities. I know. If you want to uh, hook up with someone, just hook up with them. As long as you're both adults and are consenting. Yeah. Enjoy your lives. Should we introduce ourselves? Yes, didn't mean to start off on a political soapbox, but hey, here we are. It's very season, it's feisty. Look, we rarely do that sort of thing here. But I mean, sometimes you just have to say something. Yes. So, I'm Angel Lopez. You are. I am a writer, a producer, a, uh, I'm a fucking queer activist. I am an astrologer. I am a witch, a teacher, a healer, queeler, dealer. And your husband. And you are recently... Pierced. I'm recently pierced. Angel got his ears pierced. You yeah. might have heard on the last episode that he was planning on doing it to celebrate his 45th birthday. Yes. The smallest midlife crisis one ever did see. <laughs> For now. And on Sunday, we all went, me, Angel, and one of our good friends and their daughter who got their ears pierced as well. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was great. And then our good friend bought us ice cream afterwards. Yes. It was a sweet afternoon. It was a really sweet afternoon. It hurt um, a little more than I remember it. Hurting. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like I have, I already have my ears pierced, but I wanted to get a second um, piercing in my ears. And I was telling Angel and uh, our friend's daughter, like, oh, it's really not that bad. Don't worry about it. And so I went last because I was the least nervous. And I was just like, y'all need to get this out of the way. And then when it was my turn and it happened, I was like, oh, wow. Like I was really downplaying something that's kind of deeply unpleasant. I know. In true Aries fashion, I went first. Well, you had to. You had to. Just move through that fear immediately. Yes. And I had to help the little one who uh, basically told me I had to go first. And the little one was <laughs> amazing yeah. in their process. Totally. Yeah. It was really fun. Who are you? I am Brandon Alter. I am a queer spiritual healer. I am a tarot reader and tarot teacher. I am an astrologer. I am a singer, songwriter, poet, husband, Hiker, adventurer, activist, storyteller, fashionista. All right, y'all grab a blanket. Apparently we're getting everything. (laughs) I contain multitudes. You know, I'm in my temperance year this year. And temperance is a, a card in the tarot where there's this angel and their wings are so big that they refuse to fit into the frame of the card. And I always imagine that the temperance card, among many things, means the true self the self that kind of wears the mask. And so I, when, you know, talking about this card in a reading or even just teaching it, I say, you know, the true self is bigger than can be contained. And that's part of what those wings are. And I think if we gave ourselves permission to be more than the kind of crystallized version of ourself that we've solidified for our ease of moving in society and for our family, we'd realize like how big we really are and how changeable we are. Yeah. So... Again, I can't help but think of all those fragile little egos in Florida who hate how expansive they might be if given the opportunity. What else they might question. I know. And we're here to question. That's the, that really should be the whole point. And so are you, because that's why you're listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Or you just think we're cute. I hope you don't question why I'm listening to this podcast right now. No, I hope that's not true. Um, I hope you don't question that you think we're cute. I know, please. I would hate that. Jeez. I love, you know, I haven't seen that much in any of the reviews you've been leaving, dear listeners. Well, I guess it's because it's a podcast, you know? Nobody can see us. Do we need to start a YouTube channel? <laughs> I mean, we could try. I don't have it in me. We could maybe figure it out. It'd be int- I don't know. Our setup here is so wackadoo. It's I don't not even know. glamorous at all. It's not camera ready. Yeah, it'd be it's really hard. a lot hard. of cords and a lot of wires. Yes. It's a lot of cords and a lot of wires. <laughs> I promised Angel I was going to try really hard not to talk over him this podcast, and we're only five minutes in. I've already fucked it up. It's not because I'm upset about it. It's strictly for editing purposes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to try better. I like when we go back and forth and speak on top and roll around. It's fun. I also like when we roll around. Okay. Let's check in. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I've made it through Angel's birthday week. Oh my God, with flying colors. And what a week it was. There were highs and even higher highs. And I just took a two-hour nap in the afternoon because mommy's exhausted. I also feel like all of this Jupiter and Neptune and Pisces energy, which we will talk about later in the episode, is kind of a tired energy. You know, like Neptune makes you sleepy um, emotional. And I have been feeling that way for a bit. So I'm just going to like try to give myself some grace and whatever time I can find in the next couple of days, just 
like put some energy back into myself and nap and meditate. And, uh, but that's all to say that this birthday week was amazing. And I don't want to like steal your birthday week for my check-in, but I got to be the, like the, the sidekick to it. And so there were just like so many amazing things that we got to do. I think the highlight, oh fuck. Well, there were so many highlights obviously, cause we had a, an amazing party for you and got to see all of our loved ones. And I'll let you talk about that. But we went to the Santa Barbara zoo because there's an amazing gazer out there named Dory. Dory, we hope you hear this. You yes. made our lives. We got a VIP backstage tour of the Santa Barbara Zoo. We got to feed penguins and the biggest giraffe I've ever seen, whose name was Michael. And it was just so moving to be so close to these incredible animals. And I know we all have mixed feelings about zoos, but this zoo does its best to take in animals that wouldn't make it out in the wild. And so there's a big kind of... uh, Conservation. Effort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I have Saturn like sitting on my Mercury and I do not have words. Like it has been so frustrating. Usually I just like have words right there ready to go. And now I'm just like having to like search for them. That's so frustrating. I need Saturn to get off my fucking Mercury. It's a little astrology vent there. It's part (laughs) of my check-in. I think it probably means I'm supposed to just like shut up. (laughs) I'm not doing a very good job of it. But the zoo was so magnificent and it was also just so fun to go on a little adventure. I feel like in this world, in this ever-changing COVID landscape, uh, you never know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I'm so glad we got the opportunity just to like go and meet some new people and have an experience. And that was just like so nourishing for me. Yeah, it was so amazing to get to have that experience. I mean, yeah, the whole week was really fun. I mean, it was especially fun for me. I'm sure it was tiring. Yeah. We counted. How many times did you like blow out candles and get sung happy birthday to? Five or six. You got to make a lot of wishes. I did. Was it always the same wish or were they different wishes? They were meditations on a theme. Got it. But yeah, it was, uh, it was really, yeah, just exhilarating on different levels to have this birthday week. I haven't made like a big to do out of my birthday in a little while, I feel like. Um, So it just felt nice to make it a real event and see friends throughout, had an amazing sound bath on my actual birthday, which was really meditative and beautiful. It's got to spend time with some folks there. Had a little birthday dinner in the evening, which was so fun with some peeps. Yeah, and then we had this great Santa Barbara Zoo trip, and I just had this like real dream to get to feed penguins and watching them just zip through the water and catch my offerings was so fun and and loving. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. A lot of dreams realized this week. Dream of feeding penguins, dream of getting your ears pierced, and then you had that vision of the long table with all your friends sitting around it for your birthday, your big birthday party. Yeah, I really wanted to just like sit at a big banquet table with friends and um, and yeah, just kind of had this vision to do that and was able to execute it. And I mean, in a, in a perfect world, it would have been like 40 people long, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, oh, I wish I could have had even more people there, but, you know, we couldn't obviously do that. So... Wait, uh, you you executed it? Well, executed mentally 
the vision for it. Uh-huh. Brandon physically and literally executed the most amazing birthday dinner of oh, my whole life. Thank you. Don't act like I haven't thanked you multiple times for it. You have. <laughs> Make it sound like I haven't like said anything. I mean, never enough. <laughs> no, it's true. There is enough because it was so fucking amazing. And it was the most delicious meal of my life. Oh my God. So, so good. Major shout outs to Michelle, who was a chef who did the food for us. Everyone was like freaking out over how delicious it was. And she's going to be doing the food for our Spiritual Gaze Cosmic Healing Retreat. Yes, she is. And Um, y'all, this food is next level. Yeah. There were like smoked paprika corn empanaditas. There was tuna poke. There was like a vegan ceviche. Yeah. There was like this amazing couscous that I told her she has to make, like this big kind of like pearl couscous that I told yeah. her she has to make for the retreat. So good. Um, but yeah, uh, just to wrap up the birthday of it all, um, just want to say like it was uh, just like a really profound uh, moment for me to really step into some real joy and real happiness about moving forward in my life. I don't always do that. I don't always allow myself to like feel the joy of things. Um, it's hard for me. And uh, this week made it a lot easier to like lean into that. And I feel like moving forward, I can do more of that. So thank you. Thank you to everyone who like went out of their way to wish me happy birthday. Like there were so many amazing like messages from some of y'all on social media. Um, was so sweet. I feel so damn loved. I really do. I feel so loved. Well, you're very lovable. It feels good. You're lovable. Little. I'm actually like feeling it. Oh, good. What does it feel like? It just feels like warm and happy. Oh, wow. Like giggly. Oh. Like I'm being touched in so many places. Okay, hands off everybody. Okay. Um Let's talk about a retreat. Yeah, let's talk about it. So, y'all, we have our Cosmic Healing Retreat coming up May 6th through 9th. So, we're just a little under a month out as we're recording this. When this comes out, we'll be a month out. Yeah, and we've heard from some gazers who have started booking some lodging, and there's still a lot available, so you're not behind the eight ball if you were starting to freak out. Um, There's still plenty of room for you to sign up. As we said, the food is going to be off the chain. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're getting really excited putting together all of our offerings because it's going to be a really magical portal. And we picked these dates because the astrology is so juicy. So we hope that you will like strongly consider valuing yourself enough to come and join us because this is the first time. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be a part of the first time? Exactly. So yeah, if you're on the cosmic fence, um, feel free to reach out to us with any questions you may have or concerns you may have, um, cause we've got all the answers for you. Also, we just discovered that Palm Springs is an international airport. We didn't oh, yeah. know that. It's like a real airport. So even though it says that on the website, I just want to say like flying into Palm Springs and then you only have to drive like 40 minutes to Joshua Tree is totally an option. But also, you know, we are here to connect you with other gazers if you need a ride or if you're looking to, you know, share a place. There are people that are looking for that as well. So yeah. use us as a resource. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I hope to see you there. Uh, you can find all the information on our website at thespiritualgaze.com. I know. I'm getting excited thinking about all the magical things we're going to plan to do. I know. It's going to be dope. But... Um, for this episode, we have a really, really fun spirit talk with uh, Bess Matassa, 
who is an amazing astrologer and tarot reader. Just the a witch. Mystic, yes, a mystic witch. A witch of all trades. Uh, so we really dug into uh, Bess's just past and upbringing around tarot and astrology and all their mystical magic. And then we really dug into the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. Yeah, babies, because it's happening like in a second. Yeah. And we all want to be prepared to take full advantage of that opportunity. So even if you're not a big astrology person, which by now, come on, you are, (laughs) I think you'll really enjoy uh, this episode, Spirit Talk. Yeah. But before we get there, we're just going to talk about some random shit in this episode's Dose of Inspiration. So I feel like the last time we did this, we just kind of talked about TV shows that we've been watching, which people seem to actually enjoy. Did they? Did you get yeah, some good feedback? I did get some feedback okay, about great. that. I got a lot of things we should be watching, oh. um, which, you know, is just like a list. It's too Never hard. enough time. Never enough time. But what we're currently watching right now, thanks Lori Lou, is Pieces of Her, which is on Netflix with... The one and only Tony Collette. Tony Collette, one of my favorites. And it is a, f- so far, we're actually, I mean, we're over halfway in. And it's a pretty fascinating thriller. It is a bullet train. Like the first 10 minutes, you're kind of like, what am I watching? What is this going to be? Because Lori put it on for us and I didn't know anything about it. Right. And then 10 minutes in, there's a moment and you'll know it. And it's a pretty shocking act of violence, just FYI. Yeah. But then from there, the whole show just takes off. And it is one reveal after another. And it is so suspenseful, but in such a great way that I feel like I don't breathe for 42 minutes. Right. And Tony Collette is phenomenal. So is the lead girl. And the writing is really good. And it's, I would just say, like, I'm pretty smart. I'm usually, like, a step ahead of things. and. I have not been a step ahead of this. Right. Have you? A couple times. Oh, well, you're smarter than I am. <laughs> no, I think you just it just hits some like specific beats that um you didn't you expect it to hit. I kind of I just kind of picked up on. Got it. But it still does it in a really interesting way and the acting's all really good, yeah. so. Oh my gosh, it's so great. So if you're looking to watch something that just kind of like fully immerses you, we highly recommend. There's also some very attractive men in it. If that's your thing. Yeah, there are actually some very attractive men. Yeah, so that that helps to keep you coming back. I mean, that is true. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It sure does not hurt. So what's that called? Pieces of Her? Pieces of Her. It's on the Netflix. On the Netflix. Yeah. The, the complicated Netflix. So that's inspiring. Tony Collette is always inspiring. I mean, always. What's your favorite... Up till now, what's your favorite Tony Collette performance? Well, this is going to be such a fucking deep cut. And you're going to be like, you are so gay. Sorry, Florida. Not sorry, Florida. Yeah. Uh, she is on the original cast album of The Wild Party. Oh, right. Yeah. And I just always think of her singing this song called People Like Us. And at the beginning of the song, there's kind of this like spoken part. And she's like, just classic Tony Collette, like abandoned and sad and like self deprecating and 
like being strong through it all. And I just, yeah. And I never even saw her in it. I just listened to that CD like so many times. So yeah, I would say that's probably my favorite performance of Toni Collette is, is in the wild party. And I think her uh, Queenie, that was the role that she played, which I'm going to say is also a dose of inspiration. If you have never listened, there's two wild parties. There's the John Michael Lacusa and there's the Andrew Lippa. And I believe this is the Michael John Lacusa. Yes. So it's the wild party by Michael John Lacusa. And it also has Tanya Pinkins in it with an amazing song called Black is a Moocher that I used to sing all the time while like in a robe as a teenager, just pretending that I was like some sexy dancer lady. And uh, it also has uh, Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt! In case you forgot, you were listening to The Spiritual Gaze. I know. Musical theater like took a, took a little nap in my life, and she's really waking up. Good for you. Yeah, I know. It's nice. I missed her. My fave, Tony Collette, though I, I mean, obviously there's Muriel, is just the most iconic version yeah. of Tony Collette. Yeah, of course. When we met her. Yeah. But I have such a soft spot for In Her Shoes. Oh my goddess. Yes, that's such a great role. Just, I actually want to watch that again. I might watch that on Wednesday. I also really loved her in the United States of Terra. Well, yeah. That was an amazing performance. I never watched it. Oh my goddess, what? I know. What? Oh my gosh, we need to watch that immediately. We'll put it in line. And did you ever see her in Connie and Carla? Connie and Carla, was that where they were like the showgirls? They were pretending to be drag queens to like get away from like the mob. It was her and was it Nia Vardalos? Yes. Oh my gosh, you guys, this movie is wild. I never saw it. And I can't necessarily say that it's like a great movie, but her performance, it's just so fun to see her do such like broad comedy and goddess damn, I just love Tony Collette so much. She can do it all. She can do it all. Let's see, what else are we watching right now? We're Well, thankfully, Better Things is back. Oh my goddess. There's a just like a embarrassment of riches of incredible television, especially like female-driven television, which is so nice for a change. Yeah, if you're a fan of Better Things, you know uh, why we'd be so happy it's back. If you're not a fan of Better Things... Get it, into it. Yeah, it's uh, this woman, Pamela Adlon, who created it. And um, well, I think she had a very uh, complicated man who contributed to creating it, but we won't talk about him. Nope. Because uh, he's not involved with the show anymore. But nope. <laughs> she uh, is basically kind of playing a version of herself. And it's her raising her three daughters in Los Angeles uh, while being an actress um, and also taking care of her uh, aging mother who lives across the street, who's crazy and kooky. And it is just like the most interesting, fun show. Um, a lot of heart, a lot so of thoughtfulness. Much. And I like a portrayal of an actress that's like a working actress, because most of the time when an actress is like a character in a TV show or a movie, it's always like the glamorous actress, the ingenue. But you're actually getting like a real look at most of the actors in this town and the grind that it is. And she yeah. does a great job of portraying that in a way that just like makes me feel seen and heard and she is like the epitome of cancer oh my mother. gosh she is such a cancer archetype and she is a cancer in real mm -hmm. life always cooking in the kitchen like very kind of like fierce mama bear vibes yeah super protective super there for everyone but also has this like tough exterior and the heart of gold and so much sensitivity gosh remember there, there was like this amazing musical number moment to so this Christine and the Queen song that occurred in one episode. That was like when the show just like fully stole my heart. Yeah. 
Oh, so great. Yeah, it's a phenomenal show. So definitely get into that if you haven't. And those are two things to eat up your time as if you didn't have enough. Yeah, there you go. Uh, All right, so we'll be back with more TV because we can never watch enough. But until next time, let's get cosmic with this episode's Spirit Spirit Talk. Talk. So spirity. All right, sweet gazers, we are here in the spirit room with Bess Matassa, PhD. Bess is a New York-based astrology and tarot reader, teacher, and author who serves up mystical self-inquiry with a side of play, poetry, and pop music, our favorite. When not busy combing the cosmos, Bess can be spotted sporting hot pink lipstick. Is there a more Aries color? I don't think so. (laughs) While wandering deserts and tropics. So Bess, who is a dear friend of The Spiritual Gaze, thank you for joining us here today as we kind of start to wind into the last few weeks of Aries season. Wind in. Yeah, let's wild out and wind in. Wild out and wind in. Yeah. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Will you tell the children your triple tier? (laughs) I would love to tell the children my triple tier. Uh, I am an Aries sun, a Leo moon, and a Libra rising in an unlikely turn of events. I know. Oh, yeah. It's that beautiful packaging for all that fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really the only thing that's kept me out of prison, <laughs> I think. Because <laughs> the rest is all in Aries. <laughs> how close in opposition is your rising to any of your Aries? Uh, my, I always forget. I have like a funny relationship with my rising. I think I just try to forget that it exists. Um, <laughs> it's within like four degrees. I think, I think I'm almost 20, I'm either 28 or 29. I'm, I'm at a critical moment in the Libra rising situation. And then all, all my Aries planets are in the twenties and like mid to late twenties. Yeah. Isn't the last bit of Libra in the Via Combusta? Are you familiar with the Via Combusta? Uh, no, but I would really like to move into that space. <laughs> so yeah. if I am remembering correctly, I think it's 15 degrees of Libra to 15 degrees of Scorpio is known yeah. as the Via Combusta, the path of fire. Oh. And those are particularly spicy placements. Like in very, very mm-hmm. traditional. Astrology. Yeah, this is like yeah. we're talking like okay. ancient, malefic, benefic sort of, you know, <laughs> gotcha. the, the full <laughs> patriarchal dichotomy of you know, astrology is a binary. But I think the Via Combust is interesting because it does suggest that like Libra is not just this like play nice, make it beautiful sign. There is that like fierce revolutionary warrior aspect. You know, it's like it's the Aries hidden in the Libra. And so you get yeah. those Via Combusta degrees of Libra and you're like, oh, right, like not to be fucked with Libra. Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that uh, because I feel like I've always, Libra is one of these energies where I feel like it gets packaged in this very strange way often. That's all this like hearts and flowers, like one iteration of Venusian Venusian energy. And for me, like Libra is like a set of sharp knives or like a set of like really 2020 contacts. It's like clarity. It's like slice and dice. It's, you know, it's, there's a linearity to it. There's like all of that Aries cogency and directionality and all of that is, yeah, it's, it can be sharp, I think. Well, and I think about like the justice card and everyone always just thinks about the scales. They're like, oh, it's Libra because the scales, but I'm like, uh, yeah. she's holding a really big sword. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. Really big knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really, yeah. Cause Aries definitely rules like 
sharp things. Like we just got our ears pierced yesterday and I was like, oh, that's so Aries. But I think like a really nice set of like German knives is Libra. Yeah. Did you go to the Piercing Pagoda? Does the Piercing Pagoda still exist? No, where's the Piercing Pagoda? (laughs) Oh, It's like where I got my ears pierced at the mall in like the 80s. No, we went to a place that I love uh, called Ancient Adornments. (gasps) I feel like I know this place. Where is it in... There's two locations, but the one I like to go to is in West Hollywood. And they just like, they pierce with the needles, not with guns. And they just like take their time and they do a really like medical grade quality of it. So Angel never been pierced before. So. Hmm. And this was in your ears? You got ears? Yeah. Yeah. Angel got ears and I got, I got second holes. Very exciting. I got to reopen my second hole. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, well maybe that was perfect perfectly as it is there's all those aries placements <laughs> um, all right but all no right. it's so true though i i always think of like how libra is like the secret cardinal of them right like the secret leader of the four cardinal signs you kind of get the like very archetypical like universal mother from cancer universal father from capricorn just that straight uh, direct idea of leader with Aries, but you know, leading for the sake of partnership and others, it's not always like exactly seen with mm-hmm. Libra, but it's kind of the most advanced of them all when you really break it down. Yeah. I mean, to come into communion with everything outside the self, my God. I mean, that critical turn of the, yeah, I, um, I feel like Libra. I'm in a lifelong learning with Libra as with all the signs, but, but Libra for sure. I feel like, and I, and I feel it coming in lately in my life. Like I have sort of an aversion to air energy sometimes, but I feel it, I feel it sweeping and swooping and something, something unsettling in my consciousness and in a way that's allowing me to see kind of rotate things in a different way or see cause and effect. I always associate Libra with cause and effect. It's like mm. Aries, like, you know, like is the verb of the human. And then Libra basically has to deal with the reverb. You know, it's like the verb and the reverb. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Well, I just think about justice going back to like the Libra justice combo. And I always say like, this is where the consequences catch up with you. Yeah. So that makes (laughs) sense. Cause that's Libra. It's like, oh, I made a decision as Aries. And then Libra's like, and what's the wake of this decision? Yeah. Yeah. I think I live my first half in my Aries archetypal self and now i'm like i'm i'm in the wake yeah. <laughs> i'm in the old world wake oh, man. so speaking of that first half i'm really curious when did astrology enter into your life and has it always been a part of like your spiritual seeking and practice yeah so astrology and i feel like i've i've told this story i don't want to but it's the only story i've got this is the story i'll just tell the story <laughs> it's very like you know, it's a very straightforward story. But when I was a little kid, astrology and tarot came into my life. I think I was around 10, 11 years old, somewhere around there. And, you know, I was a little kid who was super fiery, living in a 3D reality and was not really interested in the mundane at all. And, you know, I remember as just feeling really oppressed, like oppressed by basic tasks in the world and like, you know, basic kind of the limitations around the responsibilities in the world and the body and all of that. And I remember that one of my favorite things to do as a little kid was, you know, when I had to like clean the 
toilet or do my homework or make my bed. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I had to fly away. I had to elevate. I had to enhance the reality. And so I would pretend that I was this character in um, like a show called life, you know, playing Bess Matassa. And I was an actor called Lilac Moore <laughs> and Lilac <laughs> Moore was like playing Bess Matassa. And I had like a theme song in my head. I could see like the titles coming up, like Bess Matassa's life, or it was just called life. And then it was like the character was Bess Matassa. And for me, when I first encountered astrology, and I don't really know how I got my hands on my first astrology book, but one of the early ones was that Parker's astrology, that classic volume. Mm -hmm. And then I think the second one I got was this little like pull tab kind of pop-up book that wasn't intended for children. It's an adult astrology book, but somehow I got my hands on that. It's called Heaven on Earth. Um, I don't know if it's in print anymore, but Basically, I saw, you know, an astrology was just like another enhancement. It was another way of like plus sizing the world, you know, and then that Parker's volume, there's all these pages where there's just the sign archetypes and then there's photographs or these like glossy photographs of colors and spices and cities in the world that, you know, resonate with each of the 12 signs. And I had no interest in the back half of the book, which is all the like how to take your compass because it was before computers like and draw the, you know, draw the chart and like all the mathematical stuff. I had no use for that. I just lived in the first half of that book and it was like a treasure hunt. I was like, okay, I can, you know, my mom's a Taurus or I'm this or my best friend at school is this. And, you know, how do I see that? How do I kind of relanguage my world through thinking about, you know, these colors and smells and all of that, which, you know, of course, 30 some years later, like has come out in my own, you know, practice. And especially early on when I was, you know, doing what I was calling sensual astrology and all these kinds of engagements with the material world. And tarot was quite the same, you know, it, it may be a little less so in terms of that sensuality early on, but you know, it was, it just was like another way to kind of reach for both making sense of, and like enhancing um, the everyday experience and poeticizing it. So were you like pulling tarot cards when you were young, bringing them out like at sleepovers? Like, oh, was yeah. it really that active? Oh yeah, it was very active. <laughs> and I had a little, um, I guess it was called like, a, it, I guess it was a proto podcast when I was a child. I had like a little tape recorder and I would bring it into the closet and record all sorts of programming, you know, on this little handheld tape recorder and I had an astrology program <laughs> and I would, you know, talk about astrology and tarot pull. I, I don't know if I would pull cards, but I definitely was, you know, pulling cards for friends and having friends pull cards for me. And it was like all sorts of divination kind of modalities. I remember having runes, like having the stones as a kid and all of these different kinds of cards. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was kind of a natural and I don't say that because I don't, I don't think that anybody has to have it like from that origin point. And I think that we all have it. We all speak it. It's just like the remembrance of speaking it. Um, it just happened to enter in that way. And, you know, I guess I had somebody who took me to the bookstore or dropped me off at the library and, you know, was supportive of that, you know, but I didn't really have any mentors or anyone telling me what I was doing or how to do it. So I just, you know, I just uh, kind of looked around the world and tried to see where I could see these symbols that were present. So I'm curious now, like as an adult, having been with astrology and tarot for so long, can you kind of like track a little bit of how it's evolved for you? I think our listeners, because they're 
all across the board. Some are just finding their way. Some are, you know, full-on practitioners. But there's something that I know for myself kind of shifts when you start to like do this as your work, you know? And I'm curious if you can just kind of speak to to that evolution a little bit. Yeah. So I, you know, these languages traveled with me, you know, since that young age and they were always kind of playfully engaged and obviously like they were meaning making paradigms, but they weren't sort of the central, you know, mode that I was, you know, as I got older that I was doing work in the world. And then, you know, right around the time of my Saturn return, of course, um, the bottom just completely fell out of my life. (laughs) And yeah, and I went through like a really pretty extreme psychological breakdown um, and totally bottomed out, um, almost departed planet Earth. And then at that time, you know, astrology had never left, but astrology and tarot sort of came back in this much more kind of invigorated, vitalizing way of like, Mm. you're going to actually use these tools to like save your life right now Mm. and re-inject meaning into what feels utterly meaningless and all of that. And I was really lucky to have found somehow this is a um, therapist, this Jungian analyst who was also an astrologer who I hadn't worked with a therapist before, but basically she and I, you know, sort of pieced back the life, you know, the life back together. And she was definitely a guiding force and kind of reinvigorating my practice and expanding it. And so at that point, it was just like a complete lifeline, you know, my late twenties, early thirties with the Saturn return. And it just was like, it became bigger and bigger. It, 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 sort of just occupied an actually bigger and bigger space. I was an academic at the time and it was just like, I just started sort of gigging and offering it, you know, and it just, it just sort of grew and grew. And, you know, that took a lot of different iterations in the early days. Like I think I'd mentioned, it was more this kind of like explicitly material world, mystical world collision. And, you know, I offered all these sort of mashups with astrology and like astrological walking tours of New York neighborhoods and, you know, astrology and scent making classes and all of this kind of stuff. And then, you know, I think to, to look at the arc now, and it's, we're kind of in an interesting point because at that time that was like, I guess that was like 2012, 2013, when I started doing it professionally. And I don't think I really had a sense like what was happening with astrology and tarot at that time in terms of like kind of mainstreaming and expanding its languaging again. And, you know, then I'm, you know, I'm sure you've had perhaps similar experiences where then it's like five or six years into that, I turned around and I was like, oh my God, like co-star and like everybody knows the big three, you know, and like this whole, you know, and it was really interesting to see that. And, you know, I think for me, I guess, I guess where I am now is that um, I'm very off-road. I've always been sort of an off-roader with astrology and tarot, but I feel like I'm I'm more I'm farther off-road than I've ever been, or or maybe I'm maybe I'm actually closer to home. Who knows? But (laughs) it's a very kind of stripped down, um, almost like I don't want to say it's chartless because it's not. Of course, when I'm doing readings and I'm working with people, I'm I'm working with the chart, but the way that it comes through now is a very kind of loose, um, languaging where I don't know, I just, I sort of see the signs and the planets and all of this as like gestures and sort of energetic, you know, kind of movements through the world. And then we just sort of pluck them out of the sky and we harness a moment and we, you know, invite that archetype into our life. So I think I'm, you know, I'm still reading in time space on this plane and looking at what's happening and looking at transits, but 
I think I'm just much kind of looser in the way that I also like use the language. Like for example, you know, I'll be in a reading with somebody and they might not have a single planet in Capricorn and they don't have any Saturn transits going on or whatever, but all I can just feel is the energy of the gravity of Capricorn. And, you know, I'm looking at this and then we start to talk about it. We invite that in and, you know, it feels much more kind of like uh, inhabitable, I think to me now, I think there was a phase maybe kind of in the middle years where it was getting a little scratchy, maybe at times a little bit intellectual and it, it feels very physicalized for me now. And it just feels like, you know, it's this kind of backdrop of this language. And then, you know, we see, and the same with the tarot sometimes it's like not really needing to pull cards sometimes kind of pulling cards out of thin air or inviting an archetype in, you know, and just being like, okay, I'm like feeling in this moment for myself or this person really feeling page of wands. All right. Like, let's bring it in. Let's, you know, talk about it. So yeah, I think, I think that's, that's it. I don't know if that makes sense, but there's probably more to say about that. I don't know. Yeah. I love that fluid approach. I mean, it just sounds incredibly intuitive as well you know, like really inviting your intuitive self and spirit into it even more. What has been your relationship with like that aspect of this type of divine work? I mean, it sounds like you kind of described it, but have you had a, an also like active approach to cultivating your intuitive intuition and things of that nature? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I think that for me, and this isn't true always, but I think it's really been about stripping away, like rather than adding in a lot mm -hmm. of the time, like there's just so much brain buzz and there's so much like circuitous languaging and like layers of, you know, like gesture. I feel like I've just, there's like a lot of like plus sizedness in my energy <laughs> anyway. And so I think it's been like, for me, the closer I'm, I know that I'm moving closer to sort of an intuitive relationship with, you know, kind of energetic movement through the world in any moment when there's a lessness, when there's a quality of lessness. And that could take a lot of different forms. It could be feeling like I'm backing out of the room energetically a little bit to kind of hold a wider space for something, or it can happen when I, you know, like I'm going to go to do X amount of practices in this direction and I strip it down to one or I don't know. I just feel this might sound a little like morbid, but I kind of feel just like I'm like slowly composting myself. Like we all are like, we're just on our way to be like a bag of bones again. And so I, I feel like the more I get into just that kind of physicalized experience and the experience of like leaving the gap or leaving the space in any moment, that's that's sort of where I hear it most or where it comes in most um, rather than I think, um, you know, an engagement where I might have more formalized practices or more formalized ways of, I don't know, for me, my intuition has always spoken to me in a very mundane, mundane maybe isn't the word, but a very like um, street, street ready way. And so just being out and <laughs> being out in the world and, you know, seeing a billboard or hearing, you know, some car blaring a song at a stoplight or those kinds of moment, moments. And yeah, so it's, it's half like, it's half like street filth and half um, creating a gap or creating a space, I guess. I mean, I love hearing that because I do think people assume their intuition is going to be like the voice of a stereotypical God coming through <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this like precious moment, but it's all God, the billboards and the radio songs and our own inner voice. 
And I think what you say about stripping away is really key. Like we're born with intuition and then we just absorb so much of the narrative of our society and our family and there's so much programming and we are taught to distrust ourselves and it's not logical. And so we try to like make everything intellectual and that takes us further from, from the truth. And, and the truth is there if you just open your eyes to it. And I feel like the less I'm in my head and the more I'm in stillness is the more available the messaging can be from wherever it wants to come. Yeah. Stillness. That word has been, and feeling has been super compelling to me lately. Just, yeah. And Angel, I have to call out, you just said the phrase precious moments. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like for some reason I keep, this has happened like three times this week already, or last week, I guess it was. Um, Do you remember the precious moments dolls? From like the 80s they were yeah, these really like funny. creepy with these like big sort of teardrop shaped eyes yeah you'd get them at like a hallmark store or something yeah, I feel yeah. Like. yeah and they had kind of a hard sort of styrofoamy head you know and then the yeah anyway yeah. there must sounds- be something going on with precious moments they've been- <laughs> <That's terrifying. laughs> yeah um well we invited bess on the show because we think bess is just an incredible astrologer and there's a really big transit that's about to happen. I kind of am thinking of it as like the key feature of 2022. <laughs> and Bess is also uh, a predictive astrologer. And you've written this amazing book called The Numinous Cosmic Year that I've been looking at. And it kind of details a lot of the transits of 2022. And are you working on another one for next year? No, not for next year. I'm working on a a uh, couple of books that will be more evergreeny um, for all it. years. Amazing. Yeah, it's funny. I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not not. A predictive. No, I think I'm not a predictive astrologer. <laughs> <laughs> Despite having written this book about the year 2022, um, and it was kind of like it was a freaky process because I was writing that book about 2022. Because if you know, you know, like about book writing, you have to do things like a year before the year before the whatever to get everything in 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 line. And I was writing that book in the fall of 2020. Mm. about 2022. And so I guess I can't really say that I'm not a predictive astrologer because uh, I was no. doing something. Yeah, clearly. But I think I think that maybe has been a mark of the evolution of me over time astrologically too. I think at this point, I don't know where I am with, yeah, I don't know where I am with the language of futurism in any way. And, you know, with the tarot too, it's like, we just pull in this moment, here we are, you know. And yeah. I think I'm, that's not to say that I, I don't think that we can look at feeling tones and parameters of energies and things like that. But yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah. Well, so this is all to say that we, we invited you in to our virtual spirit room here because of this big Jupiter Neptune conjunction and wanting to just have like a little three person panel here to try to unpack it because it feels, and this is so Neptune in and of itself, like it feels hard to talk about. It feels like so major, but as you try to like reach your hands or your words around it, it just like dissolves through the cracks. And so I thought we might do our best here just to kind of like break down what we can because it it does feel major. And even people that don't necessarily work with transits all that often, I even just think like everyone I've talked to for the most part, like the dreams that we've all been having over these last couple of weeks have just been like technicolor <laughs> off the, tr- like it's been nuts. So, and I'm like, this has to be part of this like build up as we build to this conjunction. So I just want us to shift gears now and invite in these archetypal energies of Jupiter and Neptune 
in their, you know, home sign of Pisces and see how we might be able just to like tell the stories of these planets and this sign in ways that everyone listening might be able to embrace what feels like a a really optimistic opportunity. There's something really ripe here that wants to be like plucked or fertilized, but also is almost hidden in plain sight simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that kind of setup for it too, because I want to like backtrack and there's nothing wrong with the word predictive. I think I went kind of hard on the, you know, <laughs> like the feeling of like, I think that we can look at these transits as ways to kind of um, almost like give the wallpaper, give the, you know, take a look at the shape of the room, whatever you want to say. So I love the way that you're setting this up and, you know, to remember like that these are inhabitable and to tell the story of these energies. That's such a beautiful way to put it. Like, you know, what would the story want us to know and how would the story sort of like shape the, you know, understanding of our own environmental context that we're kind of inhabiting. That's really yeah. And how, so how are, how would you uh, start to wrap, <laughs> wrap your words around the story of, of this moment. Yeah. So I was, I was feeling into this a little more a few weeks ago and I had this like very specific image come through and sometimes this happens. And, you know, I feel like we all, we all have different ways of kind of engaging this. Like, you know, some of us have like smell a vision some of us have, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And I don't think we need to necessarily use, you know, terms like clairvoyant or clairaudient necessarily. I feel like sometimes they can get a little um, stifling, but just, you know, there's a lot of different ways that things come through. And this one like came through for me, uh, in this visual symbol. And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) and do you remember, um, like silly putty? I don't Mm -hmm. know if they still sell silly putty. Um, I remember like, you know, when you would put silly putty on like a newspaper, like a comic in a newspaper or something, you know, like the newspaper print would, uh, I guess people don't do it that much anymore because there's not that many print newspapers, but, you know, press the silly putty in and then you would take the comic or whatever the visual was that you got the print of. And then you start to stretch it out, you know, stretch to stretch the silly putty and the scene would just like extend, extend, extend. Yeah. It it puts me sort of in the mind too of like, um, this is maybe a violent image, but like when you put peeps, those candies, uh, those marshmallow candies in the microwave, sometimes people like to microwave peeps Mm -hmm. and they get like really expanded and like the (laughs) eyes on the peeps. It's actually really don't do this at home, please. (laughs) It's actually like deeply disturbing. Um, but I saw, I saw mainly the image of the silly putty. And then I was thinking about the peeps. And then I was thinking about also those retainers where did either of you wear like a retainer or braces when you were a kid? Oh my God. Um, For so many years. Did you ever have the palette expander? No, I never had the palette expander. (laughs) There was one that like sat on the roof of your mouth. It was a complete nightmare. All the food would get trapped up there, but it like slowly was meant to like expand your jaw over time and you would like turn it with a key and then it would go, go, go. Anyway. Oh, I'm familiar. No, (laughs) I, I never had it, but I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you dodged you dodged a real situation. Well, I just there. had like headgear for like five <laughs> oh, years. I had okay. like serious. Headgear. You were? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> I had such a massive overbite, and luckily my parents were friends with an orthodontist who got me started young. But they thought they were going to maybe have to do like corrective jaw surgery because it was just like so intense. That's interesting. I I thought I was going to have to get corrective jaw surgery from a massive underbite. Whoa. So if we could have just met as children in the middle, and given each other <laughs> these the other secrets, half, we would have been okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, know. all of this is to say that 
when I started to feel into that energy, okay, what's the silly putty? What is that, you know, kind of stretch, the stretchiness. And I was, you know, I was thinking about this kind of like meetup between the wheel card, you know, the wheel of fortune card, you know, ruled by Jupiter and the hanged one with Neptune and the moon. And I was like, oh, good God. Um, like, <laughs> it's quite <laughs> a party. Environment. Yeah, yeah, it's a strange and I, one. And just this, and this is not some like earth shattering revelation, but I started to feel like, what is it like to let your longing expand you internally? Like, I think sometimes we think about longing and we think like longing becomes wishing, becomes wanting, becomes a plan, becomes or a sensation that we don't have. Like there's something that happens sometimes with like longings that turn linear, you know, that we start to like reach for something or we're, you know, that energy. And I started to just feel into this Jupiter and the Neptune and the Pisces and like, what it would it be like to have the internal image or the want or the, whatever the wish go like this way, you know, instead of in like go side to side and like, what does it mean to become more vast, like internally, like through the process of longing, through the process of um, the tenderizing kind of process of wanting and wishing and all of that? Um, because sometimes I think it, I think we think about Jupiter as very like uh, expansive in a in a very um, externalized way or a way that we can somehow sometimes see, even though it does have this association with like more spiritual and unseen kind of, um, associations with Sagittarius energy, but I don't know. I don't know where I am with all of that. I just, I just been having this feeling of like what happens in those moments and those tenderized moments. And like, also like something to do with bigness and smallness. Like I think about a certain flavor of bigness with Sag and with Jupiter, um, and a certain larger than life quality. But I also think about our ability to get into the experience of such a larger than lifeness with Pisces that we allow ourselves to become small. And I was thinking a lot about like, you know, we're always talking about like taking up space and I'm going to take up my space. And this is something else. This is like another, um, I don't know. It's something where we're, I think being invited to like delight in the aspects of like smallness and tininess in the vastness of something internally expanding. I don't know that sounds like garbage. But. No, I'm actually quite moved by everything you're saying. I really, I really love this. And it's actually making me think about uh, the TV show life starring Bess Matassa. <laughs> and what, and uh, no, well not, no, uh, what was your, what was your actor's name? Uh, Lilac Moore. <laughs> Starring Lilac Moore as Bess Matassa, yeah. which feels in its own unique sort of like Pisces moving picture way. Another vantage from which to talk about bigness and smallness. Mm. That like we are these much bigger beings coming from like a much bigger green room. And yet for whatever reason, we are being asked to specialize in these particular roles, but to not forget the larger context of it all. Yeah. When it does kind of just to me, for me, like tie into the, I guess that's a way to like dial it into some of the like philosophical aspects of it. Right. Like, I don't know. When I hear you say something like that, it's like, all right, well, what is my place here? You know, like I, I, I ask then myself like bigger questions and I, it took, you know, I just had my Jupiter transit through the ninth house 
And yes, there were some very like direct ways that that expressed. You know, I literally became more of a teacher during that time. But I was looking on it, you know, from the other side of it and really recognizing just how much I found myself raising the question of who am I and what the fuck am I doing here? And who am I to think I can make a large difference from such a small space on this planet? So it sounds interesting to me of all of these themes that we've both been talking about that, yeah, there is this sense. And now I guess you can even look at like the world we're in right now, right? It's like, there's all of these very large things going on in the world right now. And you even just see like the conversation of people like, should I really be posting about like my weekend? You know, (laughs) does that really matter? You know, like, you know, what am I really doing for anything of importance in the world right now? At the same time, it's like, we all have to like stay in the like scope of our own personal story too, right? Like our own personal narrative here, our own TV show that we're, we're starring in to some degree. And I don't know, it's very interesting to, to find this as a moment to like pay attention to, to your space in the world, what you're doing. And do you want to continue to, for lack of a better word, expand in the way you have been? Or is there a contraction that needs to occur in order to keep you on the path? Yeah, like right size, right sized you. I keep hearing this like phrase right sized in my mind. But when you were talking just about that, um, like that expansion in that moment, I was thinking about the part of Pisces that I always associate with the the atmosphere, like Mm. just sort of something hanging kind of in the atmosphere. And it's like, Mm. what would it mean to take responsibility for the impact of our own atmosphere? (laughs) Like, I don't know what that looks like, but the idea of like, you know, the presence, the energetic presence in a room, the energetic, you know, and, and maybe it's like part of what this transit is offering is, you know, again, it's like that, the difference between the, I'm either doing this or I'm not doing this versus like the kind of tapping into the vastness. And it's like, oh, wow, I actually have responsibilities or considerations that are going in like all zigzag directions. And so it's like, rather than deciding what to do or not do or to write or not write or whatever the thing is, could I start by considering how I, how I hang in, in people's atmospheres or like how my energy sort of presents atmospherically. And, you know, it, it reminds me of what a little bit of what we were talking about earlier too, with the idea of, um, stillness and backing out of the room and creating space for intuitive knowings to come forward and that kind of absencing, you know, because if we like move into some sort of atmospheric space with ourselves and our personhood and our self-expression, then it doesn't, yeah, it's not even really in the realm of self-expression. It's like self-etherializing atmospherics. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going off the rails. No, no, no. (laughs) You're actually going, you're actually going in a really cool direction. And it's making me think about the beauty of this idea of letting your longing expand you and sitting with it and surrendering to it, which feels very hanged one, as opposed to what we've been taught that like your longing is an initiatory problem that needs to be solved through your fulfillment of getting the thing, right? And it's like, no, it's it's not about getting the thing. 
your longing isn't a discomfort that you need to put a Band-Aid on as quickly as possible. It's actually this like strange visitor that wants to expand you like a peep in the microwave, which is like gruesome and violent and grotesque and also phenomenal. Like it's, and, and I think that's maybe part of where we are. We're, we're, it's part of where we all are with so many global problems and so many confusing paradoxes and complications and everything feels more dangerous than before. Like even posting your weekend feels dangerous because it's like, have I commented enough on like what's happening? Am I allowed to like have my own life in this realm? And if we can just start to live in the longing and be the hanged one on the wheel of fortune, which I think is the best person for the job, right? Like if if you're going to be somebody that's okay upside down, then you might as well just be on a wheel that continues to spin and just kind of and keep inviting the strangeness as opposed to having to like codify it immediately. Yeah. It's making me think of like the whole, the holiness of the holes. It's making me think of too, Mm. of like the, the, like those moments and we've all had them where there's a longing or really kind of strong emptying sensation. And you feel like you're part of everything in that moment. Like there's, there, it's like a God hole or something like where, yeah. where we all have that hole. And it makes me too, you know, think about obviously like through the lens of the moon card and Pisces and the 12th house, you know, like thinking about the 12th house as like a haunted as a house of hauntings and echoes and reverberations, you know, and it's like, how do we, how do we live in, in like in a haunted house. Like we're all here in a big old haunted house, you know, and Mm -hmm. in our individual hauntings. And yeah, I don't know. There's, there's something there. What house is your son in Natalie? It's in the sixth. All my Aries planets are in the sixth and they all oppose like all the outer planets in the 12th. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. Angel and I were both 12th house sons too. So I was like, yeah, I basically live in a haunted house most yeah. of the time. Yeah. That's what it feels like. I've got Pluto. Pluto is my main character in my 12th house that like is in exact opposition with all my Aries planets. Like yeah. trying to pull everybody into the haunted house. Yeah. Yeah. And for a while they didn't, they wouldn't go, but now they're trying to, <laughs> <laughs> but they would only forcibly, they would only go enforced. Um, yeah. But yeah, now it, it, and I feel like it was very, in the first part of my life, there were a lot of externalized experiences that would coerce me there or force me there. And, you know, now it's like, what does it mean to like consciously and obviously like with processors and with anchors and with, you know, like dip into your own yes. ghosts. Yeah. In a way, that's also a part of an aspect of this Jupiter-Neptune element. If you think of Neptune as the 12th house gatekeeper, um, there is something of around that, right? A great invitation into that deeper, darker space where the ghosts (laughs) like to live and us having to really grapple with and face the ghosts of our existence um, both on a personal level and then, of course, just like society-wise, culturally. We've been in that process for a while now. Yeah. Um, but it feels like it's coming to an even greater head um, with it. Yeah. And just like the dreams, like it feels, it's all like, is it like our dreams the past? Are they the future? Are they part of that like 
infinite cosmic space. It all feels so beautifully unknowable and very Pisces that like everybody having all these really intense dreams right now, it's like, what is that waking up in us? What is that reminding us? Like, I, I don't know, like for weeks now I wake up in the morning. I'm like, God, I was so, I've been so busy when I sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The work and it makes me, it returns me to a certain, it or a certain expression of the hanged one too, because for me, part of that card's energy is about what is it, like to inhabit the entire like liminal space between doing and non-doing and undoing and like all of these other kinds of doings that happen, like the work that happens in the unseen world when we think we're just hanging out on a, you know, meat hook or whatever, spinning around, but there's all of these other little, you know, little inkies, little, like little friends in the ether kind of, um, you know, building and dismantling and invisibling themselves, you know? So yeah. What does it mean to like, no longer be so caught up or hung up on the work that we do in the world in that way and get more and more invigorated and exhilarated by the work that comes in the ethereal world or not even calling it work, you know? So this exact transit, this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces is happening on April 12th, even though we're already feeling the buildup because these are slower moving planets. But I'm just curious, could each of us maybe give one suggestion to the gazers how they might be able to like embrace this cosmic invitation like or like on or around april 12th what's something everybody could do to align with jupiter and neptune coming together in pisces i think maybe like something where you could play with your own vastness or your own tiny play with like almost like adjusting the knob on your own size, you know, whether Mm. that's to like go into an environment that really envelops you where you, you know, under a big sky of stars or a big Canyon or, you know, or it's maybe it's that you feel like you want to plump yourself up in some way. So you're going to stand on top of something. I mean, something where you can kind of play with the scale. I think playing with the scale of yourself and your self-expression could be interesting. However, that that poeticizes to you. Yeah, that's great. It reminds me of this episode of that Kirstie Alley show, Fat Actress. I don't know if you ever watched it, but it was kind of brilliant, even though Kirstie Alley is problematic. And it's all about her like trying to lose weight. And she goes and sees this like total quack doctor doctor who's like, to lose weight, you just have to be small and think small. So the whole episode, she's just like talking in this little teeny voice. And she's just like drinking out of a teeny little teacup. And like, it's it's so funny. And I just was like flashing on that. <laughs> that was now that. That's got me down this rabbit hole where it doesn't take too much for me to think about Celine Dion, but have you heard about this Celine Dion, like kind of unauthorized biopic that's coming out? Oh my God. Where the actress is playing. Well, Aileen, I think she calls herself is Mm -hmm. playing Celine at like all levels of her life. And like, it's like her, the actress's face on like a little baby. And then like, Oh my God. I love that. We have friends who saw it. Um, and we're saying it was just bonkers. Oh my God. Way. I can't wait. I cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> what about you, babe? Um, I don't know what was coming to mind. And I was like, I don't know about that. But hearing you talk best about just the playfulness with your expression, I was just trying to think of like practical things to do, playful things to do. I would say either lean into the music aspect or lean into the visual aspect. And I would say either like just sit with yourself and like, just kind of intuitively pull like 10 songs that you love into a playlist, but then see what messages 
those songs have for you. Like, Ooh. go back and listen to it on either a walk or a bath or something and really kind of, like, listen to what's oh, being yeah. said. Or conversely, if you are more of like a visual person, I would say on uh, that day or around that day, just go out. We all have cameras for the most part now, unless you're going flip back to flip phone. But, you know, just take like 10 photos that day of things that interest you, inspire you, and then kind of see if you can connect any dots around the vision of where you want to be heading or, or what helps to define who you are and what you want to be. Mm-hmm. I love those practices. Yeah. That sounds so fun. Okay, and I'll, I'll answer my own question here. I'm having the phrase kaleidoscopic darkness come to me right now. Like you go into a sensory deprivation chamber and in the pitch blackness, there's just like a whole, a whole visionary explosion that can happen. And so I feel like it might be a good time to kind of like shut yourself away and reacquaint yourself with the darkness, like find the darkest room in your house, or if you're, you know, close enough to nature to go find a dark little corner for a bit and just see like when you are totally unplugged from the mundane, what's available to you, just to have a moment to remember that, that we're not Mm -hmm. just these like, teeth brushing, toilet cleaning, homework doing people. You are lilac more. Yeah, you're like you're lilac more. We are all lilac more. We are all lilac more. <laughs> Will there be a reboot? Yeah, is there a sequel? What's happening what's, with life? What's lilac doing? Yeah, you know, I've yeah, I've lost touch with lilac. Maybe this is a great <laughs> transit to kind of re-relate to that kind of larger than life layering. Yeah. Well, maybe they <laughs> were actually, yeah, I would like to hire someone to step into this role right now. So maybe I can. <laughs> yeah. Let's outsource it. <laughs> get them back. Get a guest star. Yeah. Guest star appearance. I really want to like see in just like a clips reel, like what else has Lilac been working on? Like in other <laughs> totally dimensions, you know point. what I mean? Like since they stopped playing best Matassa. Yeah, what's the past 30 years of that career? Right? I would love to know. (laughs) Pause to do an experimental electro album. Yeah. Maybe Maybe they're not even acting anymore. Maybe they're just like, you know, gardening, you know, on Mars or something. Who knows? Yeah. Or maybe they now took the form of the actress who's playing Celine Dion in the biopic. (laughs) That (laughs) tracks. I actually feel like that has lilacs. That's lilac signature, I think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bess, thank you so much for being here and just like giving everybody a taste of your like astro poetry and your incredible brain and heart. It's always so invigorating to hear you talk about these archetypes because you are so off-road. And I think as these modalities come more and more into the mainstream, we need more off-roaders. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to drive off the whatever into the whatever. <laughs> always. <laughs> Tell, drive off the whatever into the whatever is also yes. another phrase I think we can use for the Jupiter Neptune conjunction. Totally. <laughs> yes, let's drive off the whatever into the whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's your Speaking that's of, your homework, listeners. Okay. <laughs> but safely, no car accidents. It is still yes. airy season after all. Um, how can the children find you, engage with you? What sort of offerings do you provide? Yeah, so the children, um, the children can mainly find me through my website. Um, I'm not too vibrantly uh, 
enhanced on social media, <laughs> but I do appear on my website. Um, you can always connect with me there. Um, and my podcast, I have a monthly astrology and tarot podcast with fellow astrologer and hypnotist, Sandy Citron called the star party. Um, and yeah, the offerings are range everything from your, your basic, uh, basic astro and tarot reading to ongoing mentorships for people who want to learn more how to work with these languages. I'm running a year-long intensive right now that's a group offering. Uh, and that intensive is already underway, but there's going to be more kind of percolating toward the end of the year, more opportunities to kind of work in a group setting or work remotely. Um, and then also always the one-on-one -on -one mentorships. And yeah, um, some book babies out there, the little podcast baby. And I think that's about it. Amazing. And you also were a part of the astrological oracle deck as well right uh the numinous or uh, yeah the uh the astrological oral deck uh the numinous deck god i can't remember anything whatever anything's <laughs> called right now <laughs> whatever that is i don't know i'm the only person named best Matassa, i think that exists in the world so if you just yeah if you just google best Matassa, you should be able to find some astrology oracle decks, a couple, you know, other astrology books and other ways to engage, hopefully. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Well, we encourage everybody to engage and enhance their lives with Bess's brilliance, yes. for sure. Oh, thank you both. Well, that was so wonderful. Such a great conversation. And uh, really grateful. Thank you again, Bess, for joining us. Yeah, Bess has such an amazing mind and has such a way with language. And I love how she just speaks to the archetypes of the Zodiac. For sure. So thank you for gracing us with your wisdom. Um, all right. How about the tarot card? Yes, let's head into this episode's tarot card. So just take a moment, get grounded, get centered. Come on, get happy. Get all your cares away. All right, so just connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled. Just knowing that this card will resonate no matter the future time. Knowing that this card will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. One card to row us through the energies of this week ahead. Jupiter, Neptune, Mars, Saturn, Aries, Venus, and Pisces. A lot of big moves. We're going to want a little bit of guidance to get us through. The Judgment card. So Judgment's a big deal. Judgment is the second to last card in the Major Arcana. Can I just interrupt really quickly? Always. When you were talking earlier about your year card. Yeah, Temperance. I was going to interrupt and say, mine's judgment. Will you tell me some more about just your feelings on the judgment card? Well, shit, girl. <laughs> You're about to get your wish come true. Here we go. Okay, so judgment is the Wizard of Oz when Dorothy returns to Kansas. She's been through this whole psychedelic journey. She's been changed. She has a whole different perspective. She has moved out of her two-dimensional life and into an expanded 3D consciousness. And then she goes back to Auntie M. And it's like, what is Dorothy going to do now? Is she just going to tend to the cows and keep wearing that gingham dress and stay small in Kansas? Or is she going to seek out new adventure and honor that her transformation has been achieved? And we know, because there are sequels, that she goes back to Oz. So when we are in a judgment moment, it is a sign that we have transformed. 
But just because we have transformed doesn't mean that that transformation will perpetuate itself. We have to continue to integrate the transformation into our life. We have to keep choosing the door of who we've become, not the door of who we've used to be. So simply put, judgment says, girl, you are not the same, so stop acting like it. And think about a year ago, three years ago, who you wanted to be and what you wanted to achieve, and look at where you are now. Don't take it for granted. And do the hard work to make sure that you keep cementing those changes into your life bit by bit, piece by piece. Judgment has us expanding out of, you know, these coffins on the card, which are a little gruesome, but we're rising from the dead. We're waking up. We're preparing for some sort of enlightenment. And it's a really important card because it requires our participation. Judgment says, hey, I've opened the door, but now you have to walk through it. So this year, baby, you got to be walking through that damn door. Well, I just have to keep spreading my wings. Awesome. Thank you for that. That, I mean, I, I don't know about y'all out there. <laughs> for you, But of course, just because it was so in tune with uh, where I felt I needed to be in here. That was very resonant. That was like legit my day today. I kept, I had moments today where I started to like veer into old ways of responding to things. And I was like, nope. Don't do that today. Choose the new way. Yeah. Yeah, you think about that second to last line of the tarot and the vertical triad is the lovers and then death and then judgment. So in lovers, you make a choice. In death, you start the change that has to make and to achieve the choice. And then in judgment, the transformation is achieved. So what you started in death is completed in judgment. Wow. Well, then I have a world near you next year. I'll have a devil year, so that'll be... Wild. That'll be an interesting combo. It really will. <laughs> the enlightened one and the drunken fool. <laughs> the sexy drunken fool. Oh, yeah? You're going to be sexy next year? That's you. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm sexy every you year. You are. You guys have to see Angel with these earrings, too. They look so good on him. <laughs> They're unbelievable. Thanks, son. Yeah, you're really like a fine one. I know it was nice. Our friend Phoebe the yesterday was like, we were just like walking in. She had a moment. She was like, you really are just like looking your best ever or something like that. <laughs> right? And I was like, I'm going to receive that. Thank what about you. when we were getting manicures and I told them that it was your 45th <laughs> birthday? And what was their response? Oh, the woman that was working with me was like, I thought you were 34. And I was livid, frankly, because she thought I was 45. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. She thought I was 24. Look, I'll hold on to it as best I can. Keep holding. Keep holding on. Um, and you all out there, keep holding on. And thank you for holding on to us. We are like two months shy of our anniversary. We're almost actually two months shy of, I think, like our 100th episode, which is wild. Um, we'll have our own wild party to uh, commemorate that. Um, but until then, um, you know, you can continue to find out everything you want about us at our website, thespiritualgaze.com. You can find out all the webinars we have hosting. Again, more about the retreat we have coming up. Um, you can also follow us on uh, the IG at the Spiritual Gaze, on the Twitter sphere at Spiritual Gaze. If you're still at the Meta, you can find us at the Spiritual Gaze. Wherever you are, don't stop saying gay because gay is gorgeous. Gay is everything. Gay is the way. And even if you're not gay, but you're here, you're gay to us. And we love you for it. Yes. 
Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual game.